It's wonderful to open up God's Word and to have heard so much of it confirmed already in the worship time. And it's a Psalm 1 is our text for next week. Well done. Howie, I'm going to be challenging us to open up some new gates to color in our world. And uh, we are going to be pursuing the Lord this year. And uh, I want to welcome you here if you are here for the first time. This is a great Sunday to be here. Even if you are just exploring what it means to follow Jesus, because this is really what we are about, and I hope that we are helpful to you this morning. And if you've been here for, like Molly, I mean decades, uh, we want to be helpful for you too. And I hope that not one person leaves here this morning without a sense of God's hand on their life, nudging them forward, loving, saying, now is the time. So, church, what kind of church is Jesus calling us to be? A church that loves... Loves, loves, one more time, a church that loves, let in and loves out. And I thought, you know, one of the best things and most helpful things that we can do as a church is to actually look at what does a church that loves up, in and out, look like and feel like. And fortunately, we have got a great example when that early church exploded by the move of the Spirit in Acts chapter 2 of what a community looks like that's following Jesus, that has all of these three dimensions of love. And so I'm going to ask you if you would like to turn to Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. If not, I have prepared the passage for you on screen this morning. But let's read together. And I want you to pay careful attention to what the characteristics and feel of a church that lived out this mandate of Jesus is like. Verse 42 of Acts chapter 2, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all, all, all who believed were together And had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as as any had need. And day by day, day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I want to remind you this morning, SBC, that when you read the scripture, it is very simple. Church is not complicated. It is very, very simple. There are only four major things these guys were giving themselves to, devoting themselves to, and the result was profound. And I say this because we are here, whether it be through the preaching, whether it be through the leadership of this church, whether it be through encouraging one another through community to remind each other of the simple but profound things that we are living for. I don't know if you're like me, but my life is complicated already, not so? My child has just started a grade RRR. I never know what little R's they are. I'm amazed. The first day we get this info book, how many 10 pages of information that I need to know how to be a good parent for her in grade RRRRR. There is stuff screaming at us in your job, 
in your marriage, in your parenting, in your friendships, in your areas of hobbies. And it is overwhelming to be a 21st century Christian. I hope you feel like that, like me. Friends, this is the place where we clarify our lives and we make sure we are giving ourselves to the things that really matter. This is not the final reality, praise God. We are living for a day with a capital D, and what we do this side of the grave, it matters. And it's simple stuff we're giving ourselves to that has profound consequences for eternity. And this is the space, and that is good preaching. It gets you to think. gets you to slow down and say, okay, what is God saying to me that I am not missing the wood for the trees, but I am living with a razor-sharp clarity of my life, realizing every single day is a gift? Can I get an Amen. I tell you, Jesus might come on Friday. Our job as fellow believers and leaders is to make sure that you're ready. And so, friends, today, I want you to know I'm sharing what we have collectively felt as an eldership and as a team, but this text just brings it through. So while we're going to be sharing some of it, it's too much today to unpack in detail. But I want you to know that our heart for you is one where we recognize we are all on different steps of this journey of what it means to follow Jesus. But we want each of you, including ourselves, to know which is the next step God is wanting to take. Because like Rod shared, he is asking of us obedience. He wants to make this a year of his favor. And, but he's asking us, we have to trust him. There are gates that we have to open, lines that we have to cross, which on the other side are the greatest blessing. But until we do, it's reserved for us. And so this morning, I want you to know this is going to have a few challenges in the sermon, but I hope that you understand what the purpose of whenever we challenge you from God's Word is. It is this. Are you thinking about the things that matter? Are you giving yourself to the reality of what we cannot see and what we cannot point to and touch and feel with the naked eye, but with the eye of faith, we know is as real as the air that you have just breathed in? We want to make sure this is razor sharp for us this year. And so, without further ado, what was the secret to the power and persuasiveness of this community in Acts that we need to start off with this morning? The first is this, is that they were a people devoted. Devoted. Now, I'm going to tell you the Greek in an Islandian accent. It's paskarturantes. It is a very long word with a powerful and very deep meaning. And what that means is they devoted themselves. It means this. It means they intently engaged in. Listen to this. They intently engaged in, attended constantly to, were constantly diligent in. They persevered with particularly in the giving of time to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to praise. Intently engaged constantly giving themselves to you. That is the meaning of this word devotion. And if you are a language buff, it is in the present tense, which means it wasn't just a once-off. It is over and over and over again. These guys were devoted to four simple things. And I want to say to you today, if we are going to capture what God has for us in 2020 and beyond is we have to recapture this word devotion. When Luke could look at this congregation, they could say, these guys are devoted. And they, 
they were a community with power. They were a community that the whole city could look upon and say, we have favor for these guys because of this word devotion. And so I want to point out what they were devoted to this morning. The first is this, and this is our loving up theme that we are wanting to focus on in particular this year, is they devoted, intently engaged in, attended constantly to the apostles' teaching. This teaching of Scripture. And this devotion was not just a hearing of God's Word. It was a doing of it. Can I remind you of John chapter 14, verse 15? One of the highest ways you can love Jesus is to do His commandments. If you love me, Jesus says, you will obey my commandments. Might I say, love for Jesus is not just responding to him in that moment of faith where you recognize the scandalous mercy of God to forgive you for your sins. Love for Christ is to recognize you died to that old way of living. I'm sorry if you become a Christian, that old man is gone, the new has come, and this new life is to be lived in the reality of the one who owns you, who bought you with his body and blood. And friends, we are here as a church not simply to be a society, to be a a nice, feeling, warm community that, that loves on each other. No, no, friends, we are to give ourselves to something very, very specific. And Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 to 22 says this. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. He's talking about the church. Once you had nothing to do with Jesus, you were aliens outside of his kingdom, in the kingdom of darkness. But through grace and faith in Jesus Christ, you are now citizens, fellow citizens, the saints and members of the household of God. He's talking about the church. But what is this church built on? My friend, what is your life built on? It is built on the foundation of the apostles, that's the New Testament, and the prophets, that's the Old Testament. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also being built up together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. What is Paul saying here? He's saying, what you build your life on, what this church exists and stands upon, it is the Word of God. There is no other safe ground on which to build. And friends, as an eldership, we are concerned that many, many Christians, some of our own people here this morning, have yet to grasp the grace of God speaking to the world through his infallible word. Too many of us are relying on the person in this pulpit on the small group member, the small group leader that has to lead the group, on your friends' WhatsApps that come through daily, we have not learned to stand and build our lives on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And friends, quite frankly, we are sitting ducks. Sitting ducks. We're not growing. We're stuck where we are. We say one thing, but don't recognize that what we are saying is coming from God's authority. That is a call to change in response to what God is asking us to do. And I want to say to you this morning, it has been true for my life this year. Your relationship to the word of God determines how far you go in this life. I have heard more of the spirit speaking to me these last two weeks since Mark challenged me in the word. 
And when I have agonizing and fussing and anxiety and being anxious over things and trying to process it all the time in my mind without coming to what does God word, God's word have to say about it? Can I say to you, it is not only a lack of understanding what the content of the Bible is, there is a lack of understanding of what its message is, and there is a difference. And we live in a day and age when we have a digital access to the Word of God like never before, not so? I am loving my, my Bible app. For the first time in my life, I am loving its reading plan. Every day, it puts it out so neatly. It is so accessible. If you go into version, you can choose moms with busy kids. I mean, there is a Bible reading plan just for you out of the myriads designed by those going through the same stuff as you. And yet, you must understand, with all of this digital access, don't we have access to everything else, not so, in this world? And friends... God's call, the first gate that you have to pass through this year, is in obedience to God's word. On what are you going to allow your life to be led? Jesus said something profound. Matthew chapter 7, end of the Sermon on the Mount, he says, A wise man built his house upon the rock. And he's using his words, these very words that Jesus preaches. If you do them in your life, if you apply them, oh, when the floods and the wind come and rock it, what will happen is it stands. Oh, the foolish man built his house upon the stand. And when the waves come crashing, and they are coming thick and fast, ladies and gentlemen, what's going to be left? How we treat God's word is determined by how we see it. And friend, this is the greatest thing to build your life on. It is inerrant. It is inspired. And you'll say, how do I know that? 20-something years of knowing Jesus, this word of God has proved true every time. And I say to you this morning, we've started already with Mark's preach on the 5th of January, the second day of our prayer and fasting booklets. Our small groups this year, we're going to challenge you to get into God's word. And I want to lay the ground for the small group leaders here this morning. That when you hear them challenge and say, hey, have you been reading God's word and what has he been saying to you? It's not that we're trying to be nasty or controlling. Remember, the point of church is to get us to think about the things that really matter. And when that leader comes to you and says, hey, how are you doing in God's word? They're not trying to go, oh, I'm checking up on you that you're fulfilling a duty. They're going, I love you and I want to prepare you for what is going to last for eternity. Can I get an Amen. The highest form of love of leadership is to challenge you in the way that you are thinking and living because ultimately we know that is the mark of leadership, that we know where this is all going and what really matters and what the reward is on the other side. I am determined this year. You will be my witnesses. I don't care who takes this pulpit, whether he is an intern, whether it's a lady, whether it's a style that I like or a style that I don't. I want to hear what God has said no matter how it comes. Can I say to you, my sabbatical experience, SPC, was a very, very helpful experience. And I said this with humility before the Lord. I visited churches. I want to tell you something's happening here that is very special. And sitting under the preaching of this pulpit, coming back from sabbatical, I have been so blessed. And I challenge you today, there is not a single preacher that takes this pulpit that has not prayed, agonized, sleepless nights over this message. And when they are preaching, I ask you, would you remove the surface and find out, Lord, what are you saying to me? Because they gave themselves to the apostles' teaching. It was alive. It was dynamic. It was powerful. It wasn't just reading. It was receiving and doing what the Holy Spirit was speaking through those who have been appointed to preach. 
The second thing is this, is that this devotion to the apostles' teaching, it led to something. This is our loving in this year, is they devoted themselves to the fellowship. The fellowship. Do you know what the Greek word for this means? It means that you have a share in what is taking place. Anybody own shares? Do we own shares? I better stop there. I'm not doing well this morning. Do you know what? I don't know. I think our shares, our portfolio is built on our share, those shares, those unit trusts. When we go and we look with our financial advisors, we are invested. There's our future. The well-being of those shares are the well-being of our future. Friends, that's what it means to be in fellowship, is that when you feel that this is SBC, you've got a share. You've got an investment in this place and her wealth and her health and her well-being. It is your health, wealth, well-being. There is a sense of ownership that if something happens to one, it happens to all because all are affected when one is affected. And I want to say to you today, ladies and gentlemen, it means to unite and join together and it is the byproduct of the work of the Spirit that is working in each of us. I want to ask you today, are you intent, intently engaged in, that's the word of the devoted, what it means to be devoted, attending constantly to the fellowship? And it doesn't say it there. I don't know what happened to the ESV translation, but it does have the Greek saying the, the fellowship, the big fellowship. And I ask you, do you feel like you have shares here? That you invested is this the gate you need to cross in in 2020? Can I say, the mark of this fellowship is the very next line in Acts chapter 242. Is they devoted themselves to the apostles' preaching, the fellowship, and the breaking of bread. This community is devoted to Jesus. The fragrance on our meeting places must not be the gossip of the town. The fragrance of our meeting places must not be the pessimism of the world. The fragrance of our meeting places is the dimension of Christ who has a hope and a future for the church and this world. And it's coming and we want to be ready for it. And I want to say to you this morning, did you notice when we read this morning in this Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47, that there are two levels of fellowship. And I want you to bear with me for a moment here. This is very important. We are concerned as an eldership that there is a devotion to an either-or kind of fellowship, or perhaps none. Maybe your line you would have crossed this year saying, this is going to be home. But I want to point out to you, ladies and gentlemen, that there is a devotion to the gathering, the fellowship. And it was a daily commitment. They had time. They were poor. Jerusalem was poor. They were always teaching on the point of famine. They had lots of time because a lot of them didn't work. That's why they had to sell their possessions and give radically because the need was so great. It's a bit different for us here who have got money and we're a bit more mobile. Some of us, not all of us. It's amazing. Ministering, I won't go down that road. Anyway, I want to point out to you today, guys, there was a commitment to the fellowship. And we are worried that there is a lack of commitment to, day, to weekly, regular fellowship on a Sunday. Why is that important? Because this is the space that you are invested in. This is the space that you are journeying with and has an eternal destiny. These are the people you're going to be praising and worshiping Jesus with. 
This is the place where you get challenged. Am I thinking correctly about my life? This is the place where God has sovereignly grafted you to play a part in. To deny fellowship is to deny the gospel you were saved into. You were saved into a body, my friend. This does not exist for you only. You exist for us. You've got a game to play, and I want to challenge you. To not be committed to the fellowship is incongruent to be committed to God's word. And I'm being strong this morning because I'm worried. When I look at the older generation, can I just speak for my generation here? Young adults, young families, a little bit 10 years older than me, 10 years younger than me. I want you to listen up. This older generation is passing. They have set a phenomenal example of faithfulness. They're not going to be around. Molly's passing was a wake-up call for me when I sat talking to that lady. Even in her frailty, she's saying, I am listening to, no, sorry, her daughter said to me, she asked to be, um, have our sermons downloaded. She continued giving to the church. She said, this is my home. The reason why she couldn't make it anymore is because she moved town. I want to say to you, that generation is passing. Young adults, what are we setting? There is a slide And I'm telling you now, it's going to cost us in the long run. I have another group of people on my heart this morning. I just want to first commend you people that are, you people, the older generation, that are setting such a good example for me. Well done. Well done. But the second is this parenting. Can I just, I am concerned about the way we are thinking around our children. Friends. Your commitment to this fellowship is setting an example for your children. Don't be surprised that they abandon the fellowship or inconsistent. What is your life like? And I'm concerned. Parents, do we understand that our primary responsibility is to prepare our children for Christ, for the coming of Jesus? To have an understanding that they are key in their relation to Christ. If they've got no relationship with Jesus, it does not matter. All the ballet classes are not going to save them. All the wonderful music classes are not going to make them a better Christian. That extra hour and a half that you sacrifice because they need to study. Let me tell you, I am so grateful for my parents. So much of this faith is caught, not taught. We got up at the crack of dawn. We were, we were very blessed here. We have people that set out the chairs on a Saturday. I'll say when we were doing our, our church planting, we had to get up at the crack of dawn. I arrived. Start packing our chairs. My fa- we ministered together. My family took us, my parents took me and my sister to their worship practices, to their small group meetings. And I asked myself, why is this such a value for me? But I look back, it was modeled. It was modeled. And friends, I want to remind you today, we are preparing for what is to come, not what is. Now, why am I being strong this morning? Is don't parents with the idea that children follow what you say. They follow what you do. Marina and I have to be committed on this. But if something takes up a Sunday, it's not on. And I don't mean extreme. Don't, don't, don't book yourself at a hospital to be here on a Sunday, right? There are certain commitments that do have to happen, but is the default of our lives committed intently, diligently giving ourselves to the fellowship. It matters. Can I say to you, I was talking to Joe this morning, and it was on Friday, the number of people that have left fellowship that now have stopped following Jesus, falling into false teaching or some terrible sin, the attrition rate is way up there. 
And we are being strong on it this morning because we love you. We love you. When you stand before Jesus one day, we want you to get the well done. The other problem that we're seeing here is that there is a sacrifice of the big fellowship for the small fellowship. What do I mean by that? Notice they met in the temple, the fellowship, and they met daily in homes, small groups. Small groups is not an invention of SBC or the 21st century. It happened the day after Pentecost. Now remember, we're talking about going through gates, and you might have some challenges that are legitimate. But I want to challenge you in just a moment around that. What gate do you need to open to enter into deeper community this year? Because we see two kinds happening. We see people coming on a Sunday, which is wonderful, but are absent when we are meeting in our smaller groups during the week. And can I tell you where the funnest stuff happens? Is when they're sitting around Eljo's supper around a table. One of the best, some of our best men's ministry meetings, men's group meetings, was when Donnie would ask Eljo to make supper. We'd rock up around the house and we would eat and chat and come away with full bellies and full hearts. I tell you, it makes church so exciting. It also makes it very painful. My friend Donnie's leaving. Yes, it's a part of being in community, but I want to say to you what joy it has been to rub shoulders with that couple. The joy of, did you see, in glad and generous hearts, they're meeting in each other's homes. They're sharing lives. They're crying together. They're laughing together. They are spurring each other on. There is such a warmth. And friends, I want to say, if Sunday experience is the only experience that you have, it's good, but it's, it can be a lot better. But secondly, I want to just point out there is a problem that we have. Is that some only meet in the small group context at the cost of the fellowship. And this is my generation, and I see it. In our city, it's a problem. People will say to me, I oh, know, no, I don't go to church, but I've got a great small group. I want to say to you, that is not commitment to Christ. Christ is being committed to the fellowship. Where is your identity in the fellowship? Who are the leadership of your life in the fellowship? Where are the vision and values and the sense of community that you're doing in the fellowship? It shapes the small fellowship. You know what the thing that I've seen in my short period of, of ministry is small group gets weird. Weird when it's disconnected from the big fellowship. It gets hobby horsed. Suddenly that leader starts talking about things that leadership is on a different page with. And how do you expect that small group to graft into the larger body? Because they're on their own mission. I want to say to you, can I invite you into the fullness of what Jesus paid for on the cross? It is the joy of experiencing the fellowship where the body of Christ and the understanding of that teaching saying, I am the hands, you might be the foot, you might be the mouth, is that everything that we are saved into is saved in connection to everyone else. Friends, if you understand that we are the body of Christ, I want to put it this way. It's a bit of a funny thing. I had a picture this morning. It's like trying to marry my wife's head only if you don't understand this teaching. I love Jesus. Imagine on the wedding day. I do a few weddings. Stefania and Van Vake, I was thinking about yours. There, I put Marina's head on this big table and I, and I swear my vow, saying, oh, beautiful head. I love you. You're so wonderful. You just captivate my life. That's what it's like to love Christ and not love his church. What it's like to live on your own is like 
have any of you watched those war films where that bomb drops and you get body parts blown over all over the place? Maybe you're more spiritual than I am. <laughs> Do you know what it's like for a Christian to live without the sense of dignity that they are part of the body of Christ on their own mission? It's looking like a massacred finger or thumb or toe. Hardly recognizable, rotting, smelling, rather than grafted into the glorious body, pumping with the lifeblood of Jesus Christ. Is the gate this year going, where are you putting shares at SBC? Where are you invested? Where are you saying, I'm stepping up to serve? I'm going to help you do that in just a moment at the end. But if that's your gate this year, we want to make that possible. Oh, and just one more comment before I move to my, my final section. Is friends in this church... And this is where we are journeying on. Open hearts mean open homes. Open hearts mean open homes. People don't want to just experience a moment. They want to share lives. The greatest gift you bring to this body is your love for other people. Expressed out of a love for Jesus. Our loving out this year, it led to having favor with all the people, all the people. This community, this church was a blessing to the city. When this Jerusalem thought about this, these people meeting together, these Christians, they said, man, those guys are such a blessing to us. And that's the heart that we want, SPC, for our city is we want to fill the city of Islam with the gospel and glory of Jesus Christ. And I want to remind you today is that we are blessed to be a blessing. Genesis 12 verse 2, that was the covenant promise of Abraham of whom we are children with. And I ask you this year, is your gate having to cross over this year saying, how is my life going to count for the gospel? Can I ask you a question this morning? What is the greatest thing that can happen to a human being? Can I have someone give me some options? What's the greatest thing that can happen to the human being? Say it out. That's it, my beautiful wife. Come on. Salvation. Salvation. Do you believe the greatest thing that can happen to a human being is coming to faith in Jesus Christ? That is our gift we offer, and it's a good gift. It's offering up a good God. And friends, this year, we have already started. We've got some outreach ministries that are happening, Hoon Community Outreach. Thanks for those who signed up last week. We have some more signatures this week. We're going to have some more after the service. We're going to be running Alpha. We're going to be doing small group, um, uh, being missional in small groups. And we want to just quickly talk into what is our decision about our services going on from this Sunday. Are we going to do a 9 o'clock and a 6 o'clock, as some of you have been asking, or are we going to do an 8, 10, and 6? We have spent time on this. We have ruminated on it. We have ahmed and ahmed. But the rationale, finally, that we land on is this. Friends, we are on mission for Jesus. We have to have the space to invite people in, to be a community that is front for that. When we see open chairs, we see open invitations. And I want to remind you again, I want to remind you again that we are called to own the service that we are a part of. 
8, 10, and 6, it is the best vehicle that serves for mission. Because I want to remind you this morning that we do not exist for ourselves. We exist for the city. And can I say to you, being on sabbatical and visiting a number of churches, we've got a great church to offer the city. So why does this all matter? In my wrap-up, it's this. The mark of everyone. Can everyone say everyone? Everyone. One more time. The mark of everyone giving themselves to this kind of community led to the kind of church I know you want to be a part of. The church that has the dimension of God in her midst. A church that is not dead and cold and lifeless. A church in which there is awe and wonder. Awe and wonder. One back from that. One back from that. There we go. And awe came upon every soul. How many of you want a church that when you rock up here, you're not quite sure what God is going to do? How many of you want a church that when people gather together, they start hearing God's voice and sharing through all the wonderful gifts of the Spirit, every member ministry, so much so that when people come in here, they say there's life. How many of you don't want to give your life to something dead and boring so that you can do the tick box and stand before Jesus like, I made it through 30 years of church. How many of you want to be a part of something that matters to East London in our day? That when you look back, you can say like, Paul, I ran a race. It was tough. Sometimes I didn't always hear nice things from the pulpit, but I'm so grateful that there was a coach that, that loved me in heaven that gave me words that helped me get faster, fitter, find my stride so that I could find my space, my niche, my assignment in the Lord and do it. Friends, what we are doing here matters. Because in the end, my last point is this, is that people need to find Jesus. When last, maybe this is your gate, it's mine this year, I'll be very honest with you. When last did you see someone come to faith? When last did you have an opportunity to share what Jesus has done in your life? When last did you see your small group bring in somebody that had no church experience, no background, maybe even had a little bit of issues with the church, and are now in community with Jesus because of that small group saying, we are on mission together. And we exist for the city, not just ourselves. When last did you invite someone here to SBC? Who knows what the Lord will do when you take him at his word? That what this church exists for is to be a lampstand that lifts up the light of Christ as high and as far as possible. And I want to say, if you're just looking to me to do it, good luck. If you're just looking for Mark to do it, good luck. Good luck if it's Dave. That was a joke. (laughs) And you know it is. But friends, it happens 
from one dinner conversation to another, from slowing down one WhatsApp conversation to another, from us here owning whoever God brings. Can we go to that picture, Dane? Just where, back, 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 back. Back, back, back. I want to go back to that, where that tweet, that tweet. One more. There we go. This is what someone posted. Joe shared it with me. Rebecca McLaughlin, you don't know that we're doing this this morning, but God bless you. It's my husband and three rules of engagement when we go to church. An alone person in our gathering is an emergency. Friends can wait. Introduce a newcomer to someone else. Let's be, on mission, let's be missionaries at church. I don't know where to start. Sunday is a great place to start. I meet some of the most amazing people on a Sunday under that tent. I come back exhausted from all the joy of chatting to all these people. Can I say to you, if you're new here, I give you permission to find me and tell me, has somebody spoken to you in the last week, today, two, three weeks? You come and talk to me. This thing matters, church. It matters. During the week, we get to have our great DMCs. On Sunday, we're on mission with Jesus. And we'll be showing this a few more times. You can prompt me, Joe, at the end of our services. So, ladies and gentlemen, where are you on the journey? Can we go to the journey slide? i wrap up with this. Next one. Which line do you have to cross in 2020? Have you just arrived? Maybe it's today. Or have you been coming for some time? Is the line that you have to cross to say, you know what, I'm going to make this home. And that might be a trial period. I'm fine with that. We're fine with that. But have you made this step to say, I'm going to give this place a chance? No church is perfect. Acts chapter 5, three chapters later, Ananias and Sapphira are struck dead by the Spirit for lying. That doesn't happen here, so you're fine. Don't worry. <laughs> but I'm just saying, there's no perfect church. Will you say, I want to ask those, some of us have been attending for years, for years, but you have never been regular. That's your gate. Come on, guys. We need you. Secondly, under this thing of regular, over there, how long have some of you waited before making your faith public? Have you crossed the line of faith with baptism saying, hey, I want to make everybody know here that I'm a follower of Jesus? Have you joined a small group? Is that what you need to cross over this year? Have you crossed over the line of serving we don't, it does not matter what you look like. It does not matter how old you are. Pierre's still in the ministry at 72 and going strong. He puts us all to shame. We want you. Do you need to cross into the line of service this year? How about owning this church at a membership level, doing our foundations course? Ah, this is where I'm at. I'm standing with you here. When last have you invited somebody? Is your line to cross this year inviting a friend, a family member, a colleague to church to reach out? We're going to have some outreach initiatives. I don't have time to go into that this year. But owning this service, saying, my eight, my ten, my six, it's my service. I'm on mission with Jesus there. And then this is the joy of bringing new people in and crossing that line of helping them journey through their next steps at SBC.